This is a HeadGum Podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Like you have this smooth, like <laughs> everything's beautiful. Hey, yeah. Well, you know, um, I mean, it's who I am, mm. right? But I really be just wanting people to feel seen in the moment. Mm. You know, right now it's just about you, mm. and that's the that's the point, right? Mm. A lot of people get missed in their day, mm. and I want to be intentional with seeing people. Making you feel like, oh, she paid attention to me. Like, cause, cause this is the thing about it. Like right now, I look at how much you're winning, and it's just you being yourself, mm-hmm. right? When you first came out here to LA, mm-hmm. did you feel like you had to do a different version of yourself? Oh yeah, ooh, tab on this tab, mm-hmm. right? Because um, I want free, right? This is me being free. Before I was trying to do whatever I saw everybody else doing, because mm-hmm. I thought that was what was going to open the door for me. Uh, I've been here 18 years, mm. right? In L.A.? In L.A. Wow. And for the first, you know, good 12 to, you know, 13 years, I was just out here trying to fit in mm. and trying to be what I saw on TV, right? I wore my hair straight all the time because I was told to. Uh, I always cover my accent. Mm. I was always trying to be a size two, four, honey. That was cute, though, okay? <laughs> <laughs> she was cute, but she wasn't free. Mm. And it didn't work for me. I mean, I had a lot of small victories, and I did all right. Nobody knew who I was because I was trying to fit in. And the moment that I said, you know what? I just want to be who God created me to be. I don't want to be nobody else, just tab. And I started taking those layers off. Mm. Uh, that's when my life changed. When when did you have that moment? Was it was it because you know I tell people this all the time because I've I've had that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I think like when I first started comedy, I was doing it a certain way and I was mm-hmm. just doing jokes, and then I was challenged by my roommates who were two other comedians. Like, all right, dude, you keep talking about your family. Why you don't do none of this stuff on stage? You like telling us all these stories all yeah. the time, and I just remember having a moment where I didn't want to be like. Nobody else. It's like, all right, man, if I'm going to lose, it's going to yeah. be what this is. And when did you have that moment? Uh, I had that moment from a dark place, mm. right? Uh, which is why I always share it because I always tell people, use me. Don't wait till you get all the way down to the dark before you realize that you want to be free. Uh, I got sick, right? Mm. I got sick in 2016 and um, really didn't think I was going to live to see 40. Mm. And I was sick for like a year and a half and couldn't get well. And uh, doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. It's like my body was just attacking itself. And I really thought God forgot about me. Mm. And, I, you know, I'm from the South. I grew up in the church. My mama was a pastor. Like, you know, I've always been a woman of faith. But I really 
had a moment where I felt like, I don't know, you know, faith is enough in this in this moment because I don't think he see me or hear me. And so I had what I call my last, you know, final call out to him. I was like, I'm gonna try one more time to really talk to God and see if he hears me. And I got in the mirror and I just really was in search of like seeing my soul. And they say the only way you can do that is through your eyes. Mm. And so I got in the mirror and I was just like, God, if you heal me, you can have me. Mm. And I meant it. And I won't go try to live my life my way no more. I was simply going to live it the way he created me to live it. And when I left the bathroom that day, I felt a shift inside of me. I wasn't healed yet, but I just felt different. And from that day on, I just started taking layers off. And I was like, well, this ain't the true you. You can't do that no more. You know, and it was scary, right? Um, Every day, I'm still taking layers off. It's been five years that I chose freedom. And I chose to give God my life. And ever since then, my life has changed, though, for the better. (laughs) The cold plunge is a metaphor, right? The cold cold plunge is a metaphor for, like, exactly what you asked me earlier, which was your question of, like, going into that feeling. Mm -hmm. Why the hell would I want to jump into an ice-cold bucket of water? Like, that's not – that's crazy. Like, that's not Mm -hmm. fun. It's like – it's damn near psychopathic. Like, it's terrible. Mm. I, I have a sauna. Okay, I want to go. I'll be in the sauna for a few minutes, but I don't want to get into the cold. But that is how we're trained to also look at life. There's so many things that we are told to run away from. So the mm-hmm. cold, for me, by the way, I have not gotten in it recently. I will admit that. The last three or four months, I have not been mentally strong enough to get in. I'm like, nah, I just, I'm just going to let that. I'm just going to let that go. Uh, <laughs> because, and, and I know where I am emotionally based on, Am I willing to sit in the cold? Can I sit in cold for two, three minutes and not get out? And oftentimes, once I'm in it, it's not the problem. It's getting in it. It's having yeah, yeah. the it's having the conversation that we don't want to have. It's going yeah. into the discomfort. It's admitting something. It's admitting you failed in front of your whole team or your company or a movie set. Whatever that is, that's the cold plunge. That's what it represents for me. Wow. So that's why okay. we have. Let me tell you something. I loved it, and I just. I want to rewind something back real quick. You know, you are talking about your children and mm-hmm. just how free they are, how free they feel. Mm-hmm. That is an uh, applause to you and your wife. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I think a lot of, I, I always say this, I feel like this generation of children growing up in general, I just, they're just freer. Like, I have, I have my son on one of the episodes we just did, and I just loved hearing him talk. Oh, he just sounds yeah. like a free, smart kid that can have all these thoughts and this and that. And to me, that's like, um, I don't know, it felt like an applause to me and his mom. Like, all right, this kid, he can just think how he want to. And that's dope to me. Like, oh, wow, you have all these ideas that you do. Like, you're just, you're comfortable in your own skin. Mm. And that's just a beautiful thing because it's like, I think about how many times I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it took me almost, what, till I'm 40 to be like, oh, I'm finally comfortable in my own skin. Like, Not when you wild. meet a person that's comfortable, it's cra- it's wild, but it's become beautiful to me, too. Like, I can't even... It's so funny. It is wild, but I don't even have time to complain about it. Yeah. Mm, it's true. like, I got here. Fuck You it. got here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Because I know so many people that still haven't got there. Like, I'm mm-hmm. literally chilling in that. Like, <laughs> uh, we, we went out to dinner last night, me and my kids and my girlfriend and her daughters. And it's just that moment of like just sitting at the head of the table, kind of old school, but just watching everybody be happy. Mm-hmm. 
I was like, that's nice. Kids are happy. They having conversations. They're laughing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's what it's all about. It is. I'm chilling. So Give me a cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, a moment. Justin, you you have two girls, or I have a little boy who's four and a half. You have a little and boy, a, okay, and an almost seven year old daughter. Yeah. So being a, a girl dad, uh, how did that change your outlook on parenthood and feminism? Mm. You with the deep questions, man. I love it. <laughs> so I you know, do. I, I, look, I, it, it's something that frustrates so many women when men say having a daughter changed me. Mm. Because they, we shouldn't have to have daughters to change. Mm. Um, but having a daughter absolutely also did change me. And I have to admit that. Um, granted, I was on this course before. One of, the, one of the principles in the Baha'i faith is the equality of the sexes. Right. We're told in the Baha'i writings that humanity can be likened to a bird. On one wing is male and the other wing is female. But it's not until the wings are equivalent in strength that the bird can fly. Mm. And, uh, and so I grew up with this. And then I married my wife and learned so much about women and, and feminism that I hadn't thought of. And then I had a daughter. <laughs> huh. and, uh, and it was the first time that I saw the world as a threat. Mm. Wow. And I wish, and I wish that it didn't take that. I wish it didn't take me bringing a child into this world. And honestly, there's part, even if it was, even if I had had a boy first, I still would have seen the world for the first time as a threat. Because when you, literally, when you have a child, everything can kill them, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And you, right. And, and you start to realize just how temporary this life is and how fragile and delicate it is. But with a daughter specifically, I just remember looking out and being like, man, I'm too late. The fact that I want to protect my daughter um, I want her to grow up in a world where she doesn't need protecting from boys, where like that's not a sign of masculinity, that mm-hmm. a boy has to grow up to be a man to protect women. What are we protecting them from? from? We're protecting them from other men. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I was just talking about you to a couple of people that we you know we friends with. I'm like, like outside of you being the happiest I've ever seen you, you just you are so centered. Like what what made that change happen? Um, people say it's different things. For a long time, uh, we 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 are kings of our own chaos. Um, everything wrong in my life was something that I had lit the fuse to, 
Every bomb that went off was something I definitely had something to do with. If I was having crazy woman problems, I'm the one sitting there telling this woman I love her and and, and then, you know, realize you don't, you gotta you keep the facade up in certain instances. Or we're traveling and sharing ourselves with so many different people and, and giving so much of ourselves away that you don't have nothing left for yourself. Now you're upset and you're angry. But I lit these fuses when I just don't have to light the fuses. I don't have mm-hmm. to um me and my mother would go back and forth. Always about money. And this is just funny. My mother's just hilarious. So I hate I'm even saying this on your <laughs> on your podcast, but you know me real. So it's like, okay, so they have people's net worths, celebrity net worths on the internet. You just look it up. It's just whatever people want to guess what it uh-huh. is. I think it's hilarious. But mine has been 1.5 million for the last <laughs> 20 some years. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, and sometimes I look at it and I go, you know, I could be D-Ray and be like, that ain't right there. I mean, he did it. But I said, no, because of how my family is. I just kept it high wood. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's cool, man. My mama called me one day. She said, my friend's talking about, I- I'm asking you for some money. And my friend's talking about, why your son can't give it to you? He worth $1.5 And the way she said it, like it was big. I was like, man, are you kidding? I would dare not ever tell you how much money I really got. And um, it's, just the, cause it's just how we, how we see things. So... I think that uh, so my my friend uh, um, you know Trey yeah Trey friend family like every month he was like you always you it's like you wait on your mama to ask you for money it's like you wanted to ask you because you want to still be mad about some some from before so you want to you want to control that part of it can't wait till she hit me about this money waiting on it mm-hmm. when you got the kind of you're in the kind of situation well, why don't you just send it mm. just put up a, 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 a amount and just send it to your mama and I was like man. So I started doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, just start sending it. And not, not saying my mother's not, she's not money hungry. She's not like that. My mom just like things take care of. She feel like, I, she raised this boy, this boy gonna take care of her back. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and I can understand, that's what I always want to do anyway. Right. But just not forced into it. Not only beaten to it. But, um, so I just started doing that and our relationship just changed because I, I decided to just take a step ahead of what I thought was what the problem mm-hmm. was going to be. I decided instead of lighting that fuse and and, yeah. and watching that explode and going to go bad for me, just in company. I'm not saying she don't be needing extra stuff still. Like she don't <laughs> still ask, but it's a lot lighter. Right. If we get ahead of things that we think are going to you know affect us some kind of way or try, we do it with everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love, um, uh, emotions, mm-hmm. and think that's the only thing we can't buy insurance for. Anything else in the world, you can watch the dollars, farmers insurance, any insurance, don't nobody say if that girl break your heart, nobody care who right, who wrong when it come down to it. When it come down to it, if you have a child by a woman, she could be a horrible person. They gonna say you made that decision. Yeah. And they're not gonna give you no insurance. Like, oh man, that was a bad you should have pulled out insurance. None of that. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 if a woman breaks your heart in the midst of your you but so I just believe in preparing mentally to some point for those things. We worry about other things. We do it for cars, we do it for our house, we do it for you should do it for your emotions. Find a place where you can insure yourself. And I think that had a lot to do with it. And the weed rail definitely has something to do with it. That's what I was it. waiting on. I'm waiting on you say the weed. Uh, I was trying to not give it full credit. Uh marijuana definitely played a part in um centering myself. And I've always loved watching people win, but I never sat and watched the games be played and enjoyed it like that too. Hmm. So I rail win if you win. We always shot each other. I was just what the fuck we do. We don't. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you really good, yeah. you like doing that anyway. It's like mm-hmm. LeBron. The nigga sit down during the playoffs and he's still tweeting like, "Woo, that boy bad." That's yeah. what you're supposed to say. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. you good, you good. Mm-hmm. 
You weird to sit there and say that part should have been mine. There's some roles that I'm glad I didn't get. And I don't want to talk about the movie now because I would down that actor. But sometimes I was like, I was upset that next day and I saw the movie. I'm like, oh shit, that saved my life with this motherfucker. So, <laughs> your jealousy should be only rooted in happiness. Mm-hmm. Your jealousy should only be rooted in drive. Yeah, some- it should drive you to something. Your jealousy shouldn't be that of which, damn, I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. But it should be more, damn, I tell real all the time, I'm jealous, nigga. And I, I tried to do it to Atheon the other day, but Atheon, so that, you know, the Trinity, he a grown, grown man. So he, he he didn't know what I was saying. He's like, no, we're not jealous, brother. I'm like, man, I'm saying it's the uses <laughs> of the word. It's, it's it's not, I'm not, I'm not saying this. I'm not gonna get no trouble. It's like the uses of any other word, like the uses of the word, bitch. You with your girl and you really having sexy conversation like you a bad bitch. You know what I'm saying? She, she's in that. And I wish we do around the house all the time. Mm-hmm. But she know when you walk away and you're like, bitch, she like the tone of it. Mm-hmm. So I think it has a lot to do with just just that and, and, and transfer. Bottom line is transference of energy from one, from the super negative to the, to trying to figure out how do I cheer on my brothers? How do I find a good place no matter what? Now I sit and get to watch the games, even though I'm still playing. Mm. I'm still playing. I'm on. A, I'm on a whole another squad, and we got a dope ass team trying to. Everybody trying to get to the championship. Yeah. So you, you, you. I center myself in that, and happiness for other people. Look at my brother winning. Um, never one sided in situations. Um, I hate that we don't have enough people fighting for our uh, for uh, innocent to proven guilty. Mm. It's like it don't even exist on the internet. It's like it don't even exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's straight and guilty. we need more of that. We <laughs> yeah. need more fighting. I've always fought for us, dog. I'm gonna fight all the comedians in at home. If you got an extra three dollars from the improv about four years ago, that was me. <laughs> and they're arguing why y'all charging uh, a service charge on cash when the service charge spoke for the credit cards. That's my goal. That is my. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. I'm here so we can have a guild. So when you see your meme, you don't be like, "Yo, that's my comic you mm. joke." It pops up somewhere. It's a gill. You wrote that. Because yeah. I bet you if I say a Jay-Z line right now, I'm going to have to pay that You're going to pay for it. That's crazy. So you should have to pay for my joke. And then if we have to go back and forth and see who, who originated 82, we could take that to the... That that could be some computer. That could be some um, some digging in the archive shit. Mm-hmm. We can figure it out. And it could wow. even be fun in finding out who did who first did do the joke. Mm-hmm. I would love to know who made up these knock-knock jokes for real and not just to the stock joke because that belonged to somebody. That was somebody's thought. You Michael Collier right. that started the all of jokes. He's Collier all of all 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 any, any, any material. <laughs> any stock jokes. It was Michael Collier. <laughs> <laughs> that joke. That boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what's crazy, D-Ray? Like, I, you know, you somebody I extremely learned from. And I think, you know, I, I actually brag about this about you all the time, about being in Chicago, and especially when I first started. The way promoters end up being promoters in Chicago, the way they did everything, it was based off your format of it. Yeah. We talking oh, about like it was. Mm-hmm. It's a guy named Leroy that passed out flyers. Yeah, fly, man. Uh-huh. You was the first. Was you the first person to hire Leroy? No, nah, no. Nah, I saw found Leroy passing out flyers, but he was. Um, I just, I just always thought a promotion was an art form. I remember the first time I got handed flyers it was for Damon Williams' uh, House of Blues show, mm. and he hands me these flyers, and um, I had been doing comedy. That was January, so I, don't, I hadn't been doing it too long. I started probably Mother's Day that May before that. And he told me, you know, help me promote. I'll let you do five minutes kind of thing. I think that was the trade-off. <laughs> and he handed me the flyers. And as soon as I smelled them, my life changed. It mm. was the paper, the wood, the, the gloss. I could smell it. And in my hands, I started doing the math because I, I, I worked with other things that were of blocks back in the day. And it... <laughs> It felt the same. It felt like it felt like dope. Uh-huh. And I said, for each one of these motherfuckers, 
I'm gonna get it's worth ten dollars after I start promoting myself. Mm. So then I will watch. Um, I love music. I made music all the time. I always rap, so I always watch the rap format of things of how Ja Rule at the time was promoting, how Irv was promoting, how Jigga was promoting, mm -hmm. Dipset. Mm -hmm. And I looked at their flyers and was like, I want to promote like a rapper. Yeah. My sticker's gonna be everywhere, my name gonna be everywhere. So I got when I first started, I got ten thousand flyers that just said D Ray. Nothing else. Hmm. Comedian on the back. There was no MySpace, none of that shit. And threw them everywhere. Just my name, just annoying motherfuckers. <laughs> the fuck is a D-Ray? Then I put hosted by D-Ray at my show, and people's like, I think I know that guy. Because mm. they saw the name somewhere else and didn't right. even realize they saw the name. That's crazy. I drop, the best fly to me is the one on the ground. People get upset about it. I throw my fly on the ground. Me and my friends to promote me and my friend Larry. Somebody throw it on the ground. But people look down all the time. They want to trip over shit. They're going to see it and make sure my name is big. I make sure. I don't tell all my secrets. I make sure. Right. But it's the way... I would format the flyer to be eye-catching, like if I was going to a movie, or if I walked past it, what would make me keep this flyer? What makes me even want to touch it and see it? So I did extra glossy, double-sided. Then I started doing the ones that fold, and I just mm -hmm. wanted, I, I was, damn, I was close to doing pop-outs, the pull-outs, but I was like, <laughs> it just cost so, it costed so much for the time. The cost didn't match. The, doing the P&L in my mind, it just didn't make sense. But promotions was number one. I first went on stage at uh, TNT Comedy Hook, and I remember standing there after my uncle told me don't go up or whatever. He's like, you know, he thought he didn't know I knew I was gonna, gonna be good. <laughs> Nobody fucking knew. So I come over, he's just standing there, and this guy, well, my uncle's standing there, this guy just walks up to me, he's like, Wow, this white guy's like, you really wanna do this, huh? And I was like, Yeah, he was like, he's like, I was like, I wanna do this for real, like this. And he said, Yeah, man, you're good at comedy. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Fuck that. <laughs> and I pointed at Tasi, who was at the door, taking mm. all the money. I said, I want to do that. That's but, because, but dudes, <laughs> but no, but dudes, you understand some dudes deal with ego. We got mm -hmm. ego problems. We all got our issues. And I just, I just don't want to do that right now. Plus, I got a little one too. And my whole focus is on him, you know, on maturing him at four years old. Do you get along with your ex wife? Who? <laughs> But my ex-wife, my, my ex-wife doesn't have my child. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So you had to communicate and spend time with somebody at some point. I did. <laughs> I, I had, just I, when you wanted and to. I, and I had no problem with it. I said, I had a good nine-year run, nothing wrong with it. It just didn't last, which is great, which is cool, because that's part of life. Just because two people get together, doesn't mean it's meant to be. Or when you break apart, it's his fault or her fault. Maybe sometimes you grow apart and it... You've learned something during that time together, which I did, mm. and I would cherish that. Is I, it easier not having a kid and then getting divorced? Like, yeah. y'all just well, y'all yeah. just go about your business. Like, all right, well, well, well I mean, you still have mutual feelings or whatever towards somebody because you were with them. Yeah, but it makes the I think the separation a lot easier because you don't have a child that's involved. Yeah. Now, a lot of people also use a child as a way to stay together when they're not happy, mm -hmm. which I don't think is to me is healthy for the child because the child can feel the energy or the lack of energy, the lack of love with two people that are just trying to stay together for the kids. Mm. Yeah, that's always, you know, I think people don't realize how much that affects the kids when you try to force a yeah. situation like that. Kids, kids are smart. They're smart, and they, they take in energy right away, yes. right? Like when you become older, you kind of could play with that a little bit. Mm -hmm. When you were a kid, it's, I remember I was sitting down, I was – I was sitting kind of sad yesterday because one of my friends got shot recently. 
And so I was just sad at my my youngest. He was just looking at me. Mm. And then he just grabbed my hand. He I didn't it. say nothing. He felt it, He right? just could see that I was like, mm-hmm. whatever I was going through in my head. I'm noticing a trend here. This is all Atlanta versus Chicago. Yeah, yeah, you see it. You see so, it. You know. so, so this next one is tough, man. Okay. Andre 3000. I knew this was, I, I was uh, outcast or what? Oh, uh, Kanye West. Oh, Andre. Hands down. Uh, I mean, I lo- I went to school with a goodie mom. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. In uh, fact, I, here's a funny story about being valedictorian. So I'm valedictorian. I go to a good college. I come out. I'm a PA mm. on the Paramount lot. I'm like, I'm literally carrying coffees one day across the lot, and a golf cart pulls up, and it's the goodie mom, because they were doing like a cameo on somebody's show. Mm-hmm. And CeeLo was like, hey, man, it's Diallo Riddle. This nigga was a valedictorian. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing there with coffees like, I love y'all. I'm so happy for y'all's success. Let me go get these coffees over here before right. they get cold. <laughs> that was a dark day. But I was happy to see him. I was legit happy to see him, even though they were clapping. Hey, that's a valedictorian. Yeah, nigga was a valedictorian. <laughs> Carrying a coffee. But hey. Sad go, man. But D, let me say this. I got so much this story. But but this is what's so funny. I've heard, we've talked about this before. This is the first time I've heard you take ownership in what you could have did wrong. I mean, the first time I heard it, I just thought she was a terrible person. (laughs) Right? Because that must have been passed years ago. You make it seem like that's how much I love comedy. That I was willing to do that. Mm. And that people, people nowadays can't. Don't argue so much with that tone of it because people have passion and have dreams and have the same thing. So they're like, that's what I would have did. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I could feel that. When they like, because, but for men and me telling this story is, is different than the compassion we show when a girl's like, yeah, I had to go strip. So my son had to sleep in the car. It's like, she did what she had to do. Mm-hmm. But if I say, yo, I had to, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I wouldn't have took certain steps and whatever the steps, whether they've been the best or worst, right. got me here. Mm-hmm. If I start playing Jenga, with my past, I don't know at what point it's going to be the one that topples it over. Mm. So there's also there's also the growth and the um, just within within myself and how it makes me feel more than it is about anything else. But I was in love with comedy more than I was in love with anything else or anyone else. Mm. That's all I had. I mean, that kind that's of, the selfishness of it. It's a it's a it's almost it's a really selfish dream, especially in the beginning. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy, but I, you also have, you come from nothing. Yeah. Get chances. People pay me to tell jokes. Yeah. Mom was fucked up. Used to, nigga, I got all these stories bothering me, all these different stepdaddy niggas that been around, all these relationships I didn't thought I had, all the, the, this, what would we be if we weren't comics though? Where, where would this, where would this pain go? Where would this, this energy go? Because it's actually a superpower. And it can be used for fucking good or bad. And, and most of the time, when you see people being mean, super fucking mean, and we giggle about it, they make great comics. Mm-hmm. They tone down that superpower, but they out there being fucked up, and we don't know where we would put it. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah. but I, you know what's funny too? I always look at like people like when I when I'm searching, I was searching for things and spirituality and things like that, and and you kind of look at them like you kind of not, but you like under them a little bit, and then like at one point you become like. Almost equal, because you're you're hearing and seeing things and manifesting things. You get it now, like oh, I get it. That's how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, and that, you know, it's funny. That's what goes back to this moment of, in in therapy. And I was I was kind of talking about it where I said I sat there, I closed my eyes, and I talked to twelve year old me. 
And all I said was, you did that. Hmm. Imagine telling yourself that shit, yo. Like the shit you kind of saw for yourself and didn't know if it could happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, hey, man. You did it. You did it. Right. You're dope. Yeah. You're the cool kid now. I don't know. And therapy does that. It it gives you a chance not only to heal, but also learn to like salute yourself. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we we try to go through life, we have all these goals, but we don't take time to like be like, hey, I'm proud of me. Yeah, appreciate yourself in a moment. Man. And you're steady, uh steady going for something steady else. Like, I gotta chase. I gotta get this. You I can, gotta get this. You I can get still this. have this ambitious mentality, mm-hmm. but celebrate those W's because them shits wasn't easy. Yeah. Live in it. <laughs> Live in it. So, yeah, um, I'm going to therapy. April, give me the number. I appreciate you. This was, this was great. This was honest. This was honest. Um, I felt more vulnerable as well, so I'm going to become a better man. I'm going to therapy. Thanks, bro. Thank you. You know what's funny? I mean, I believe you. <laughs> I'm going, man. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> this was too deep for me. Like, I'm the game going. <laughs> Nigga about to go. In closing, Snigga, I'm going to therapy. Going to the grove. Yes. Go talk to the lady. I'm going. Actually, I'm going to hike. That's one of my ways of um, like getting away from everything. Like I, I literally go hike. I try to go at least twice a week. I'm in town. Good for you, brother. Yeah. But see that lady. You hear my saying to you? I got to go see that lady for sure. Oh yeah, I'll go see that lady. Okay. Man. Go see the lady. <laughs> Do you I'm have any favorite artists to work with? Favorite artist, man, got to be Chris Brown, man. Okay. Got to be Chris, you know. We can make the craziest music, you know, and he's going to make the video even crazier. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to make the artwork even crazier, mm-hmm. you know. So um, it's always dope to see someone that's just creative, you know, and they let the creativity lead. And you were on the project where you got the first Grammy as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that was... Um, Fame album. Fame, yeah. Yep. I did like three songs on that album, and that was the first time we worked together. So since then, oh, wow. oh man, you know, it's just been So you're you on know, the latest one as well? Album. Yeah, latest album. Okay. Breezy. Um, I co-wrote five songs on that one. Mm. Is that hard to do, though? Like, when you, when you, you know, you're an artist also, right? And mm-hmm. so do you battle yourself like, damn, I can't get this to him. Like, mm. I can't get this to myself. <laughs> You know, in the in the earlier stages of me being a songwriter slash artist, yes, it was the toughest thing to <laughs> ever. Like, no, this is my baby, you know. Yeah. I'll give him this one, you know. But once I realized I'm the source, mm. and once I believed it with my heart, it was like, no, give your best. Give your absolute best because that'll make room and more opportunities for you. And if you could repeat it, you're supposed to be here. And if you're not... I mean, if you can't, you know, you're not supposed to be here. You always want to put tell. your best foot forward in everything you do, so and you're doing that. That was a HeadGum Podcast.